electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC, Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer here at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber is at CNBC HQ this morning. Pre-market is pinning its hopes to some relief in bond yields after ADP comes in light. 89K, that's the lowest in almost three years. Ten-year yield back below four and three quarters. Oil also near a three-week low. Our roadmap this morning begins with Treasury yields still hovering at multi-year highs, though. Stocks look to regain some of yesterday's big losses. Plus one time, one long-time Apple bull downgrading the stock citing high valuation and concerns of soft U.S. growth. And it's the largest health care strike in U.S. history. Some 75,000 union members at Kaiser Permanente walk out of hospitals and medical offices. Let's begin with the markets. Dow coming off the worst day since March, as you may know by now, losing its gains for the year to date. Jim, this morning, writing a lot about the tyranny of the 10-year, as you put it. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that there's a consensus building that you can't have the yield curve be the shape that it's in now. I know this probably bores a lot of people with pros, but if you're just trying to figure out, like, what the heck is this all about, there's a sense that if you go out 10 years, you've got to go to the usual, which is that there's a steepening curve, and uh, we're all going to have to pay a little more if we go out long, meaning that, like, say so you need a mortgage that's going to go higher. And we got a number that was a little softer today from ADP and actually showed you that there was not as much wage growth, which is what people are worried about with, with the Fed. But I'm much more concerned about issuance. I'm concerned about how uh, Treasury pays. Uh, I know that yesterday Ed Yardini had a fantastic hit where he talked about how it's possible that we don't have a lot of uh, Federal Reserve bonds sold. But just be aware that, uh, you know, and David, you know this, it, that it's very hard for people to understand and interact with the bond market. But if you think that the 10-year, which is currently at 4.74, should be above what the Treasury rate is, what Fed funds rate, then you know there's more pain ahead. It just may not happen with the velocity that it's occurred, and it's the velocity that's really driving people crazy. Yeah. Uh, Well, listen, everybody's trying to figure out when we're going to hit a top, or at least a near-term top in yields, Jim. Uh, And you point out the technicals. We've talked a lot about them lately. We have as well in the second hour of Squawk on the Street. Sarah's been talking about it for weeks in terms of the supply-demand equation has something changed in a significant way, uh, given all the supply that still needs to come to the market, and is that sort of the new normal? Um, but you know, when it comes to equity investors right now, I guess you made this point last week when we kiddingly talked about just having the entire show be about the ten-year. Um, you have to look at it and you have to make a decision here. You know, ultimately, uh, in terms of what you're going to do. But what do you see as the impact, really? let's call it near term and long term, obviously it does seem to to increase the chances of a hard landing, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And I think that there's a sense that, well, what does the Fed really want here? And I say, forget that. It's not about the Fed right now. It's it's about demand. And when you see small and medium-sized businesses still charging ahead, still hiring, uh, still growing, but the large ones are not, 
then you say to yourself, wait a second, if wages go up, even though mortgages are now higher, the, the spending's not going to bring uh, mortgages down, uh, not going to bring the price of a house down. I think that, that the, when I, call, when I look at the fact that houses are still up, say, 40% from pre-pandemic, that's the last holdout, the last thing the Fed wants to come down. But if you're going to have to finance this deficit and you're going to have to be able to do the uh, quantitative tightening, which is what the Fed's can really more important right now than the, than the Fed funds rate, then we're not done the selling. And uh, I'd like to think that because we're so oversold, we're done. But I also am not naive enough to think that if we get a, a number that's strong on Friday, we, we could have some real problems. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people adjusting their, their forecast for Friday in light of ADP. Mm-hmm. I think Pantheon this morning calls it an unforecastable data set uh, just well, because it's been wrong. Well, the jolts, which we panicked on yesterday, I had paychecks when he says, look, this thing showed that there was uh, the opposite the previous month. So they don't use it. They don't think it's important. Uh, they do see uh, what, <laughs> what Powell wants. They see this marginal wage gain, 2 to 3%. Uh, they see some pockets of strength, some pockets of weakness, but they still see growth. And I, I think that the bond market, forget Powell, the bond market wants to see contraction. They don't, we don't have, we, we come in and we see strikes and we see uh, Ford, but they're not doing best and final. Ford's offering something. We're not seeing drugstores close. We're not seeing major problems at retail. Look at We're, auto sales yesterday. Oh, my God, they're so strong. So, I mean, it, it, if, let's say the bond market is separate from what Powell's doing. I think what the bond market said, they got it so wrong. I mean, we, we sat here for literally even in April and said, well, the bond market says there's going to be a recession. And now we're all off. Now we're saying the bond market is going to cause a recession. They're two different things. And, Carl, I, I got to tell you, the bond market was so wrong in April that there's nothing that says it won't be so wrong again. Right. You mentioned Yardeni, of course, who coined the phrase uh, bond vigilantes. Uh, this week he coined the phrase bond heretics, for whom there is no price at which they're interested in owning government debt. And, and uh, right. the Treasury Secretary yesterday did talk about at least the vigilante part. Take a listen. The bond vigilantes, I think I first came in, um, heard that term back in the early 1990s when inflation was high and uh, interest rates were were moving up in 94 and 95. And... Um, Nominal, you know, 10-year yields kept rising higher and higher, suggesting that the Fed's work wasn't done and they weren't doing enough. And the concern was the bonds, bond markets were uh, driving the Fed's behavior and um, that they would uh, continue pushing the Fed um, to the point where the economy would fall into a recession. Now, I don't honestly think that that's the case now. I think the markets are trying to figure out um, what is what is the Fed and other central banks going to need to do to make sure that inflation stays low. Okay. Uh, kind of a, a very long-winded way of saying that, yeah, your dean was right. Now, Ed's also talking about the the immaculate uh, disinflation. Uh, disinflation. Yeah. I, I point, David, you remember this. I mean, the rates of the vigilantes were much, much higher than they are now. Uh, but there's also a, a sloping curve that we had then. And right now, uh, why is the 30-year Treasury, I posit, uh, giving you a 4.8 percent return, and you're getting a much higher return from the Fed funds rate, even though when you go out th- that far in time, there's a lot more risk. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a reasonable question. 
Jim. I don't have an answer as you might expect. I do know that if any, if you've got to refinance something in the next six months, you're not particularly happy about it. And anybody who did refinance whatever piece of paper it was uh, over the last year is probably a bit happier than they might have been otherwise, even though it was obviously quite higher than it was the year prior. And then if you're trying to buy a house, well, we can see that almost 8%. Um, you know, that's got to lock up the housing market at some point, doesn't it? Not to mention, again, also with a move of this speed, whether people like to say it in the market, something breaks. I don't know what right. that is or what it could be. We never do until it happens, and maybe it won't, but it's a concern. But there is a housing cycle. I mean, typically what happens in a housing cycle is first, the beginning, there's uh, a lot of demand. So the housing companies start building a lot of houses, and then the demand goes up, and then the housing companies start charging more and charging more, and then the mortgage rate goes up, and then there's a cliff. That has been the way this has worked all the time. Now, maybe there's a shortage of homes right now, but it tends to be, call it's a cycle. And right now, we should be at the cliff, and the Fed should win. But we all think that there's just unassailable amount of demand now, there could be demand destruction, too. And don't forget, I mean, there's a level where the housing, the house comes down to make it so that even though the rate's up, the house is cheaper. That's also happened. But in the end, we've always had overbuilding. I think the housing companies are showing the same discipline that the oil companies are showing. Everyone's showing great discipline. We're all waiting for somebody to break out of the discipline cycle. Uh, David mentioned the banks, of course. KRE, lowest since July. People reminding us this morning that Silicon Valley happened at 10-year 3.6. Yeah, right. Different time. We do right. have. Now, we do. Go, I mean, we sorry. do have. Uh, you know, a lot liquidity is abundant. The Fed's aware, and even though they don't say it, I mean, everything got saved on deposits, right? Last time around, right. Jim, I think that does help any concern there might be about the banks this time. Although, uh, Carl's absolutely right, of course. And Bank America stock yesterday did reflect that continued concern, at least just about embedded losses in its portfolio. Right. I, look, I think that there are always going to be loss. I had Macy's on last night. They have, a, they have a credit card division, and it's experiencing losses at defaults. And we know that the student loan, we hear that endlessly, that they have to finally start paying. But I would say that we normally, the kind of the normal defaults that we have in 2019, I keep going back to that the Fed wants us to return to 2019. And it's housing that hasn't returned. Food is coming down so quickly. You see egg prices in Calmaine this morning? You know, they're throwing them away. Yeah. I just think that we're not going to get to a point where a box of cereal is going to cost as much as 2019. It's going to cost less than 2019 because what goes into a box of cereal is coming down in price. And the Costco's of the world, which is the second largest, uh, you could argue third after Amazon, but second largest food is saying, hey, you know what, guys? Thanks for nothing. We got Kirkland's signature cornflakes in there. Every bit as good as Tony whatever, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? Man. I mean, come on. Frosted Flakes is flakes. There's yeah. nothing too been, Frosted Flakes, David. You've been really unkind to Kellogg and Kellanova the last no, couple of days, No, no. I, I just think I mean, that cereal is not one of those. It's a bit of a commodity. It's got the glassine bag. It's got the cardboard, cardboard. box. Those are worth like 10 times how much the stuff that's actually <laughs> in it. And it got the sugared raisins. And maybe Costco comes out with a little less sugar and says, here, this is the better for you. Be F-Y. And Carl, don't get him started on Wagovi and, uh, you know, <laughs> know Majoro. Oh, yeah. You can't find Majoro in this city. There's no... It, it, a well, there was a big distribution of Wagovi yesterday. They found the truck finally came. <laughs> the truck of Wagovi? Are people yeah, like the truck rushing of the truck came at on the Upper East Side? Yesterday. 
You were waiting on the side out? of no, the yeah. No, for West Side. The East Side is no Wagobi. <laughs> there is no Wagobi. There's no Moderna. On the East Side, there's none to be had. None. All those hospitals, none. Still to come this morning, uh, we'll talk about the criminal trial for Sam Bankman-Fried going into its second day in court. We're going to take you live to the scene next. Futures, as we said, trying to look for a bounce after we did lose uh, briefly the 200-day moving average at 42.96. We'll get to some news on Apple this morning. Obviously, a lot of news regarding the automakers and unions when we come right back. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Day two of the criminal trial for Sam Bankman-Fried set to kick off this hour as the jury selection continues this morning. Our Kate Rooney's outside the courthouse with the latest. Morning, Kate. Hey, Carl, good morning. So jury selection continues today here in lower Manhattan for Sam Bankman-Fried's criminal trial. We do expect opening statements as soon as today, guys, and on to witness testimony as well. The court is down to 50 potential jurors. They plan to whittle that down to 12 people, and then you've got six alternates as well. The judge in the meantime saying to those potential jurors, don't talk to a soul about this case. He said no news, no internet. He called it electric quarantine. Bankman Freed has been watching all of this play out from that courtroom flanked by his lawyers. His parents were not there. He was noticeably cleaner cut with shorter hair after spending some time in federal detention center, a center there, awaiting trial. He has been in custody since August after the judge said he violated bail conditions. He has pleaded not guilty to seven counts of fraud and conspiracy and maintains that the blow up of his $32 billion crypto company was bad risk management, he says, not fraud. His top executives, though, they say otherwise, pleading guilty and saying that they knowingly committed fraud. We do expect three of his top former colleagues, one of whom is also his former on-again, off-again girlfriend, to testify against him in the coming weeks. Other possible witnesses were listed in court yesterday. We heard these names for the first time. Investors, including Alfred Lin of Sequoia, a big name in Silicon Valley. He's led investments in DoorDash and Airbnb. Anthony Scaramucci as well, Bankman Freed's brother, and his parents were on that list, as well as some of the lenders, the heads of Genesis and BlockFi, and then more FTX employees, including former general counsel for FTX. Carl? Kate, we'll watch it with your help. Uh, crypto's interesting. Bitcoin at least holding uh, 27 here, uh, about a six-week high almost. Meantime, Ford September sales numbers uh, this morning. Let's get to Phil LeBeau on that. Hey, Phil. Hey, Carl. Ford September sales are part of 
they put them all in the Q3 sales. So we're going to give you the Q3 number here. Q3 for Ford sales up 7.7% compared to the same quarter of last year. Q3 EV sales, remember this is going to be critical as Ford looks to do that transition. EV sales up 14.8% compared to last year. Mustang Mach-E up 45%. They're just starting in with the Lightning, so its sales were down 45% year over year. And then you've got the Ford Q3 Bronco sales up 24.8%. That's important because, remember, it is Michigan Assembly where they build the Bronco. So that in that number is likely to fall as we go into October, November, if the strike continues, as we see the supply of Broncos that are at dealerships continue to be restricted. So what we have is Ford in the third quarter up 7.7%. Guys, back to you. Let's say substitution. Uh, people buying EVs uh, now that uh, gasoline is so high. Do I think that we're seeing that? I think yeah. there's some of that. Yeah, there definitely is some of that. And there's greater selection now. Not as much as where the industry needs to go next year and then into 25 and 26. Uh, we're not at the point yet where you can say to somebody, you want an electric SUV? What are your options out there? They're pretty limited at this point. Um, and that's going to change, Jim. But, but we are seeing people having slightly greater selection than they had, let's say, six months or a year ago. Meantime, Phil, uh, Street's trying to get their arms around this latest reported offer uh, to the union from Ford, yep. uh, 20% plus, and then shaving pretty dramatically the amount of time it would take a new employee to get to top pay. Right, and that's a big push that Ford uh, is making with this offer, which was presented on Monday night. And in making this offer and in announcing it yesterday, uh, Ford, through CEO Jim Farley and his comments saying, Look, this is a costly offer to us. This is not like we can say, okay, we're giving it to you and we have the same level of profitability and everything is the same as it was before. No, this is going to cost Ford, but they want to get this wrapped up as, as quickly as possible and they understand that the UAW is holding out for certain things, including quicker progression in terms of uh, wages for new hires. They are north of 20%. They're not saying exactly where. They're also uh, adding in cost of living uh, adjustment benefits over the life of this contract. So it's a far richer uh, offer than what we've seen from Ford in the past. Now, whether or not this gets the deal done remains to be seen. Carl. Uh, Phil, we'll talk in a bit. A uh, busy day on the auto front as well. That's our Phil LeBeau. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell on a busy Wednesday. A lot of data still to come this morning and a ton of Fed speak actually as well. Squawk on the streets back after a short break. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Let's get Kramer's mad dash as we count down to the opening bell. Yeah, John Ford had a terrific story yesterday about, about Intel selling Altera. And what's interesting about this, this is programmable gate arrays. These are really specialized chips in many ways. 
uh, they are the most, uh, until the AI chips came, the most valuable. What's interesting about this is that they paid in 2015, they paid $16.7 billion. The competitor, AMD, bought Xilinx, they paid $49 billion. So in the interim between 2015 and now, it's obviously gained a lot. Of, the industry has moved up. This is a but. Ford did point out that there is a problem in that Intel didn't do that much with this. So I don't know how much it's really worth versus uh, the Xilinx. I will say this, though. You do Mobileye and you do this, and maybe you say, wait a second, Intel's worth more. And that is what Pat Kelsinger wants. All that said, uh, what we really want, it's kind of like we want not we don't want tuna with good taste, we want good taste in tuna. The rest of Intel is not worth as much. You're selling the crown jewels in order to be able to finance what's not a crown jewel. That's putting money uh, behind a hand that's not as good uh, and throwing away some better parts. But what about the argument that if they've lost on the engineering front, at least they're making moves that are a little bit more shareholder friendly? Absolutely they are. Maybe we say, wait a second, if you look at the stub of what they're not selling Frontier and for Mobileye, then the company's undervalued. But you know what? Uh, I like NVIDIA. And NVIDIA is no financial engineering. NVIDIA, there are people talking about $100 billion in orders uh, for their really expensive cards. That's what I want. Now, right now, everyone's against NVIDIA. You know, look, people are saying, well, come on, this thing went too far too fast. Look, if you have the best chips, it really doesn't matter. People should go back and look at Intel, 286, 386, 486, Pentium, Pentium 2, and see what happens with the stock when you got the right chip. Yeah. NVIDIA still made a lot of Q4 top 10 top pick lists. Well, next year is going to be a very big year for yeah. because they'll finally get all the demand. Microsoft will take everything they make. One company. Jim, we'll talk more about it after the opening bell. Of course, coming up in just about six minutes. Don't go anywhere. Let's get to Apple this morning. Under pressure in the pre-market. KeyBank did downgrade the sector weight this morning. Uh, down double digits over the last three months, June. We got the downgrade, which we'll talk about, and then some executive uh, stock selling as well. Yeah, Tim Cook sold a lot of stock. I'm sure he's a program. Now, here's what I think. When you get to the tail end of the Magnificent 7 sell-off, you have people who break ranks. Uh, the stock was at 198. Now it's at 172. Uh, you could make a lot of uh, cases that perhaps it's overvalued. Perhaps we don't know about how the new phone does. Uh, the phone's running hot, of which Apple would tell you there's always been iterations to the beginning where they run hot or there's some problem. Uh, I come back and say, just please don't trade it. Because let's say you sell it at 171. Can you buy it back at 163? That's the way you have to look at it. Because then it would not have such a high mold. So let's be uh, careful. The traders go wham a jam, whatever you want. But if you are an owner of Apple and you like to own it, this is not something that should shake you out. What about the the crux of the keynote, and that is uh, slower postpaid sub growth, uh, maybe a fourth quarter of down revenue year on year in the U.S. We don't know yet. Uh, we do know that historically. Uh, when you have these iterations, it's very difficult to gain. Uh, and again, I think that that's why it could go from 198 to 160. That's a very big decline. It, it's possible, but that's what the down quarter is about. Why it went there? I mean, if it was up quarter, it'd be 210. So people should recognize that Apple is rationally priced, and maybe it needs to be a little bit lower. But I just think that nobody's good enough to trade this thing. Nobody. There'll be many people who claim that they sold at 171 and they bought it back at 161. And then we'll check their trading receipts and we'll see that they were um, uh, maybe puffing. Yeah. 
All right, David, does the, does the carrier element interest you? You know, I mean, it's always an important component of the overall story, but I'm not sure it's that different from what we've seen in the past in terms of promotion levels for the 15 um, at this point and what it will mean. Um, you know, Jim, is this, is this heat, is this, is this an issue, how hot the phone gets? Is it real? When you talk with Apple, they would say that they have a software patch, that this has happened periodically. Uh, there have always been uh, these different situations that are negative. Titanium, by the way, uh, in the aircraft industry, does not run as hot as aluminum. So you would say, wait a second, why do they build planes in titanium? And the answer is because it, it, it works better under heat. So I don't know, Carl, I come back and I say, and someone wants to make a splash, and they're making it. We just talked about it for four minutes. <laughs> Congratulations. That's, right. That's what it's about. Thanks, Keith. Uh, by the way, no target on their note, just the yeah. just the sector wave. Cliff. Yes. Let's get the opening bell here in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. The big board, it's Empire State Realty Trust, celebrating its 10th listing anniversary. At the NASDAQ, it's New Vini, an acquirer of SaaS B2B companies in Brazil, celebrating its listing via SPAC. Oh, hey, David, isn't that what we want right now? back from Brazil, okay? Isn't that exactly what's called for? Uh, And by the way, and and the Braves have been doing well. You follow the Braves, the stock? That's starting because of the buy. Oh, yeah, the Braves, yeah. Because of the buy, it's doing well. It's a pure play. They own the stadium, too. Yeah, I think the buy is meaningful for them. Um, There's the real-time exchange. All right. there's There's the heat map. Do you guys know the real-time exchange doesn't exist anymore in, in what? reality? What? Well, that's real. But that why thing you they were showing like earlier that? is not real. That's why I was making that face. Are you telling me that that's a sham? Yeah. No, I'm saying it's like created in the, what is, where? I don't know. In the, you know, it's a, wow. yeah, it's, it's AI. I don't know. Hey, I'm looking the, for it. I'm like, where is the, that darn real? And, and it wasn't here. Wow. <laughs> is the 30-year sham? <laughs> Look at me here. Oh, when you look at that, that you look like secession. You're pirates. Yeah, I am. What's going to happen in the house? Let's make it happen. Let's pick a new speaker. All right, everybody. All he right, can sorry. do that, too. So he good. said, what a moldy talent. So good. Um, speaking of things that are not real, Jim, uh, these reports of Meta laying off some employees at the Metaverse Division Reality Labs, according well, to this Reuters story. Well, look, I mean, are they spending more? Uh, it's possibility. Uh, which, it's, by the way, is part of Doug Anmuth's note today as well at J.P. Morgan. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that the most important line is buried at the end of page three of that report, which is the revenues are coming in really well for advertising. But right now, we're all so beaten and we're so defensive. We've been flogged. The analysts will be flogged until morale improves. And all I can say is don't take your cue from people who are uh, worried as much as you should take a look at people who are calling the revenues to be good. I would have flipped that piece entirely. I would have just said, all right, let's start with the revenues being better, but maybe expenses a little bit higher because they have to have all the capital equipment. You know, David, there is a beaten down nature of the analysts like any other uh, profession where, uh, let's say you were uh, beaten very badly on a Monday night, like you're a football team. You do not come in the next week and say, you know what, we're going to crush them. What you say is, "Eh, geez, I hope, yeah, I hope. And there's a lot of hope right now among the analysts that maybe things will stay here, Uh, you know, tush push, you know, what I'm talking about. I I do. I follow you exactly, and I appreciate the NFL reference. 
Thank you. Uh, yeah. Well, um, you know. that said for Meta, we had Mark Mahaney on yesterday, Carl, um, and he's positive on their ability to continue cutting costs and thinks, I, just to right. sort of paraphrase Jim, that it will create uh, some momentum under the stock, you know, when you get the next quarter under your belt, unless they surprise with a cost number and or guidance that is far beyond what is expected right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, and I know David's focused on that reverse head and shoulders pattern, which is seriously meant that a stock runs. Uh, but, you know, just I just want to go back to Apple for a second, because I think we missed you know, they got messy. Uh, M-E-S-S-I kind. Uh, when they spoke at the when Eddie Q spoke at the CEO council, he talked about sports. You know, David, the NFL is in play here, apparently for Apple. So who reported uh, that, Jim? Where? Where is it? In uh, this play? is an Evercore piece. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. He's he's speaking positively about Apple. I don't okay. know what that's about uh, because it's certainly not warranted today. But we're talking about ESPN currently paid. They talk about ESPN. Uh, they said that Apple bid for the NFL Sunday night ticket. David, who is that? Who is the Sunday night? We do. <laughs> we do, Jim. The well, did, you see our, okay. did you see our ratings this past Sunday night? Our greatest NBC family, biggest uh, ratings since the Super Bowl. Well, because I know, I, mean, I, who, I don't know who the quarterback is, but boy, what a tight end they got. <laughs> yeah, although he did not have the greatest game. And our guy actually well, had a pretty decent game, amazingly enough, for QB. All right, well, I gotta forget tell you about something. the NFL. Jim, I'm listen, when it comes to Dallas for our Sunday night game, when it now comes to sports rights, it is not unimportant, although the NFL is the least of it at this point. Many of the deals are still, are still in place for quite some time to come. The NBA contract is nearer term. There are some questions. But when right. it comes to Apple, and by the way, this is, I mean, this has all, virtually nothing to do with the fundamental underpinnings of the stock. But when it comes to the Apples, the Amazons of the world, the real question is, do they really want to become more robust in terms of their sports programming, what they have available? I know you talk a lot about Messi, but you right. know, it's not a bit, it's not gonna move the needle that much. Um, and even the question is even for them, whatever they spend wouldn't move the needle that much for Apple or Amazon, but of course could crush those who rely on these deals to generate real numbers. Now, by the way, you know, when it comes to TV, people basically at this point are talking about TV is really just the NFL. That's all it is at this point. Either you got it or you don't. And if you don't, then you're not really in the TV business. You're right. Uh, look, I think that people, it's very rare to have something that everybody watches uh, and I mean that the households watch. And uh, For instance, I haven't seen the numbers for ESPN and all the baseball games last night, but they probably all together don't add up to Travis Kelsey and Swifties. Although Philly had a nice, at least early part of the game that I saw, right? Yes, yeah. we had a very good game, but I don't know how many people care about it. I, I think they care more about the the refiners going down. The uh, oil, by the way, oil peaked. What didn't didn't oil go up and then drive the bonds? Well, now oil's going down big, but the interest rates. Was that just all for show when we talked about oil every day, driving the bomb market? Energy, for show. Energy, the only sector red this morning. OPEC, Marathon Pete. Uh, the OPEC meeting uh, has no real change in policy. We got to 87.32. Oh, yeah, now 86.73, Jim. That's going to take you back to early September. Yeah, I mean, Chevron went up uh, not nearly as much as oil when uh, oil ran, and now it's going down harder than oil coming down. But I think, David, we often... Uh, make these linkages that we then f don't talk about when they're wrong. We did say that the tenure was marching to the beat of oil. Now oil is, is getting crushed, but no one talks about how the tenure 
that maybe that linkage wasn't as smart. I didn't. I, never, you know? I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that linkage to begin with. Not a linkage that I saw, Jim. Oh, you're not a linkage guy, maybe. No, I didn't see the head and shoulders. I didn't see the linkage. Well, um, I, I, what you know, what we will continue to come back to when it comes to the, the bond market and the ten year in particular and the thirty is is that supply demand and whether in fact that is a new normal that we're going to be dealing with in terms of funding these deficits and whether the Japanese are not there any longer, the Chinese are not there any longer, and how we're going to distribute the supply successfully, and what interest costs are going to actually mean as a percent of GDP. That's what we're going to be talking about. Those are the linkages that I think we're looking for here. Oh, so we, you're being substantive in making these judgments, as opposed to being facile. I suppose. I'm trying. There goes so David often. once again. You know, I like, I don't want the facts to get in the way of the story, so I went with, oh, no, David is um, right. It is supply and demand. And David, by the way, uh, there are a lot of people who come on and they make these, what I really do say, facile statements. I want to know, you know there's the biggest short position in history in the tenure? How many of the people are calling for apocalypse now? Are they short the tenure? And shouldn't we ask them? I know. I know. It's one, in fact, one uh, knowledgeable, you know, one sort of somebody I speak to regularly said to me today, when Bill Ackman comes out and takes one last victory lap, because he has been short at the long end here, that'll be the top. So let's wait for that. Or, as, as, as you suggested this morning, Jim, maybe Moody's doesn't follow through with the downgrade. Right. Or maybe the Europeans start getting interested in our paper <laughs> while selling their own. I mean, the Germans do have money, right? Why don't the Germans buy ours and short theirs? And the dollar's been great. We always focus on Japan. Japan, no growth environment. They should do what they're doing. China is, is we have no idea what China's up to. I mean, That's actually a big debate as to yes. if, whether or not they are actually recycling less. There's all sorts of takes this morning. We don't know. And by yeah. the way, the Chinese economy, uh, there are signs that say that it's doing better. What's interesting is maybe uh, Xi Jinping decided, you know what, we'll crush the real estate sector. And then after that, we'll let the, mar- the economy go up. And it's a command economy. Hey, David, you know, they, um, they're communists over there. And uh, it's arguably that when they don't tell you how the 21-year-old unemployment rate is, maybe we should be saying, hold it. Maybe their numbers are not to be trusted. Well, we've always always had that debate in terms of the veracity of the numbers coming out of China and whether they've overstated growth and and things of that nature. And to your point, whether they just simply hold back in certain areas because they don't want to deliver particularly bad news. Right. property sector, Jim, there continues to be, I think, the key focus, given how important it is to the overall economy, particularly when it comes to the consumer and spending, which they're obviously trying to uh, increase as an overall percentage of their GDP. Um, I don't know. I mean, that just doesn't look great at this point uh, in terms of property and what they're going to actually do to potentially save some of these companies and how aggressive the state is going to get in terms of doing that. Right. Well, David, couldn't it just be a cram down? I mean, they don't, they've got a habit of, of uh, defrocking the rich over there. I mean, you know, we've got some people like the FTC, they, they yeah. do that, but they don't detain people, the FTC. No, but the point is you've got a lot of people who've invested in whether it's the, the funds that invested in property or, and or uh, were providing financing right. to these companies. You've got a lot of apartments that have been promised that haven't been finished. So you're talking about the middle class that could be... Uh, hurt and or to the extent a lot of their wealth is tied up in real estate in some way or their ownership, their willingness to spend obviously comes into question. 
Well, I mean, Nike, they sold a lot of Nikes. There you go. There's the counter, David. No, I mean, David's absolutely right, but I'm looking at Alibaba. The stock does go down all the time, and maybe there is a sense that there's been some destruction of the middle class, Carl. Uh, City today uh, actually raises their uh, Chinese GDP forecast back to five. They were at 4.7. That's the second firm now in the past week or two. Uh, Tesla, of course, a lot of discussion about Tesla's China demand, the competition with BYD. I see Jonas took a crack at that today. Yeah, Jonas is out there. Yeah, David, when Jonas speaks, um, I know you listen because he's kind of clever and funny, but I actually asked Phil LeBeau about the the oil substitution, trying to anticipate exactly what Jonas can be focused next time. But look, I think that there's... You can do Tesla every day, David. You can do Netflix, too. We didn't even talk about how Netflix is going to maybe charge more. I don't know. These are the two stocks that fascinate what we call retail, David. So anything you can possibly do about either one of them is called what we get. It's called numbers. It is called numbers. And you're right. Netflix performed fairly well yesterday in the sell-off as a result of the belief that they are going to, at least according to the journal, raise price after the actor strike is potentially settled. Haven't right. heard any updates on that. What do you been watching on Netflix? You've got, you've got companies that are levered, guys, like Warner Brothers Discovery, that continue to trade down. Because you mentioned if, NBA, David. Because if you NBA too, but if you've got any, you know, any 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 near-term refinancings coming up, and you've got to hit the the bond market in a real way, it's not a pretty picture, is it, Jim? No, and that's one of the reasons why Macy's. When I spoke to the two gentlemen, uh, Jeff Unit and uh, Tony Spring. Uh, the uh, soon-to-be-out CEO and the soon-to-be-new CEO, that stock is down a lot because there's concern about the credit card, but also, Carl, they have, they have debt that comes due 27, 28. All these guys would tell you, I think, David, you'd admit it, that uh, David Zaslav has made it so the short-term maturi- maturities in the next year and a half are not so bad. True, like and, nothing. I'm, and I'm glad you pointed that out because that right. is the case. But it doesn't mean that investors aren't screening for that kind of stuff and looking and seeing in terms of the capital structure Absolutely. and when refinancings are due. It's just overall, when you're talking about close to 5% tenure, that is going to change the, you know, the and needs. You, have, you haven't mentioned Verizon or ATT. Is there a reason why you've left them out? From, <laughs> why, why is he well, yesterday, you, as you know, you surprised me. I did not notice, A, I guess, the decline in Verizon stock price, which has resulted in its dividend yield being 8.5%. Don't you think that's a red flag? Carl, when I see a dividend that's at eight a yield at 8.5%, I say to myself, red flag. Is red it though, flag. Jim? Is it a red flag? I mean, uh, yes, there's nothing that flag. says that they don't have the ability to continue to pay that dividend. Well, I just, yes, but I think historically it doesn't matter what company, if you see a company that has a yield that's far in excess of everybody else. I mean, this even let's say this were um, one of the great blue chips and it had that yield. I would say, okay, well, that's a bit of a red flag. I have a bit of a red flag. Bit of a red flag. Okay. Like a piece of a red flag. Uh, speaking of, um, you know, all of this discussion reminded me, Jim, of when you were trying to get the government to issue 50-year paper. Yeah, they well, laughed That would have been a deal, right? That would have helped yeah, the maturity wall. Yeah, they all wall. laughed. Not unlike what, the, what Carrie said about John Travolta. <laughs> they all laughed. And you know what? Oh, hand from the grave, David. You know what? It's a carry market. I actually went to every one of the like the so-called big muckety mucks in Washington, and they all like they thought it was funny. They thought I was funny. 
They did. You know, like they Louis C.K. funny. So another one of those big ideas yeah. that nobody listened to. Yeah, right? like they, Sam Kinison. You know, they like, thought that was Sam the, Kinison. The, 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 the Disney, Disney Park, Park in New Mexico. New Mexico. Yes. The New Mexico. I, you had 300,000 <laughs> acres traded there the other go. day. And, and there's the some, and by the way, there's some. Year. Yeah, what else, Carl? They how many laughed. How many have they laughed at through the years of these big ideas that Jim spends well, a lot think of time I'm working on? They think I'm a genuine Wall Street funny man. <laughs> um, let's see. We got uh, services PMI uh, crossing the tape this morning. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Hey, good morning, Carl. Yes, Hi. these are the final reads. So we replaced the mid-month read. Mid-month read for the services on S&P Global PMI was 50.2. It gets downgraded to 50.1. That is the weakest since January when it was under 50 at 46.8. On the composite, uh, the other direction, 50.1 becomes 50.2, and that now is the weakest since February when it was 50.1. We see that interest rates are down. I guess the best way to describe today is that we're at four and three quarters and a 10, and yet it's down five, pace, five basis points from its five o'clock Eastern cash close. It's been up nearly over 480, and the long-term horizon is until somebody gets interested in those yields from a purchase standpoint, liquidity issues probably continue to make selling have a bigger move to the upside than the lack of buyers to any moves to the downside. Squawk on the Street will return. One thing we haven't gotten to is this uh, strike by some Kaiser workers, uh, about 75,000 across uh, several states, uh, impacting potentially 13 million customers in that time. It's an unbelievably good. I've had their insurance, this amazing company, and I think that it's therefore it's much more visible than, say, a writer's strike uh, in people's daily lives. And, And look, there's a lot of people who feel left out. Uh, and, and have not had the big wage gains. It's not what the Fed wants to see, but certainly people don't make a lot of money. They should make more money. Uh, expected to last about three days. Yeah. And, and to your point, Jim, uh, a lot of the union wages, the, the auto's a good example where that hasn't kept pace no, with hasn't. non-union wage work. Right, which is why it's certainly they have every reason to strike. I think they just have to be careful whether the companies have enough money. To pay, that's all. That's, you know, the, air, the, the car business is very simple. Kind of brings us to a flash head about uh, GM today preparing a $6 billion credit line uh, to cushion some strike costs. Jim, the read there is that maybe they're they're girding for a, a longer strike than some think. Well, a lot of people feel that the union only has five-week strike funds, so you can imagine that, uh, you know, David, these people are not playing with, uh, these people are playing hardball now. They, uh, Ford's got five months. This is not going to be, uh, the, Sean Fain is running out of room here. Two days on jury duty for you, dealing with, yeah. uh, you know, sort of the strains that regular people are, are under, and I suddenly, it's a kinder, gentler Jim Cramer when it comes to labor shortages, <laughs> labor stoppages? Yeah, yeah I'm really? patronizing. And, yeah, I mean, when I'm with real people, it's quite, <laughs> yes. versus my rarefied people in Summit, Quag, I found out the real people aren't making nearly as much money, Carl. They, they're all living in their cars like I did for six months. My Ford Fairmont with my gun and my bottle of Jack Daniels, so I don't know Jack. Right? Brushing my teeth with Jack Daniels. She stole that from me. <laughs> Let's get to Kesha. Jim uh, and stop trading. What are you watching today? Okay, I'm watching Chipotle. And the reason I do this is because there's a piece out by Opco, and it just basically says, listen, don't fear. Everything's fine. You have to trim a little. I just pointed out because right now there are a lot of people trying to defend stocks that kind of been drifting down. 
and Chipotle's good, but the chart's bad, and I know David's focused I, I don't, on the chart. Is it as bad as McDonald's? McDonald's is a lot of that, by the way. Look, they have franchisees. You can't grow if you're not going to get credit to be able to buy a new McDonald's, and the franchisees are unhappy. Chipotle owns its stores. That's why I've always liked Chipotle's model more than McDonald's. But, you know, people like the Yum model, like the McDonald's model. I like the Chipotle model. It's also I great. also like the, uh, the I, I wanted them to bring back the carne asada. It's a great 20-year chart, right? I mean, we were doing 20 years yesterday. Remember, Jim? We did... Uh, well, 20 years different. Chipotle is amazing, all right? It's, you know, Chipotle spun off by McDonald's, yeah. and it's one of the greatest companies on earth, and it's really well run, and I think that it deserves to sell where it is. Maybe higher. David, you ought to try the, some of the new things they've got. There it is. Yeah, that's, that's a nice one. You can a only nice eat, ha- eat half and then save half, okay? okay? Really? Yeah, the bowl. Eat half, save half. That's a lot. It you don't need it all. They put too much on. It is a lot. It's a lot of food. It's a great value. Um, how about tonight? Okay, so I have Molson Coors, symbol tap, and I have on, on, symbol on, on. And I, I have to tell you, these are companies, by the way, that younger people are buying. So I'm trying to get uh, you know, try to get people a little more interested in what, you know, people love the on shoe. Uh, and people drink, um, they drink Molson. But on has got a big analyst meeting, and Molson had it yesterday. And, these are companies that are both doing very well, but they're not NVIDIA. What can I say? Uh, and Nobody's when, NVIDIA. When do we get Constellation? Is that uh, That's tomorrow, tomorrow in the STZ, and there should be a reflection. Uh, these were all because of the Bud Light yep. frasques. Yeah. They're doing Whole category got, yeah. got hollowed out. Yeah, Bud Light was the largest, not anymore. Jim, we'll see you tonight. Fantastic. Uh, Mad Money, you. good to have you back at 6 David. p.m. Eastern time. Welcome, we'll get some more breaking economic data after a quick break when we're back in two. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.